It is my privilege and honor to greet all of you a blessed, happy new year. As we face the new year, I want to remind all of us, Satan would like to paralyze us with our past regrets, past failures. He wants us to live in the past. May I suggest, let us follow the advice of God's word. Forgetting what lies behind, we press on. You cannot change the past, but today is the first day of the rest of your life. You can start anew, and that is what God wants all of us to learn, to face the new year with renewed faith, confidence, and hope. How are you today compared to last year? Are you more joyful? Are you more loving? Are you experiencing more peace? Are you a better husband, better wife, better fathers, better mothers? How do you relate to one another? Are you a better brother, better sisters? Are you a better worker? Ask yourself, are you growing? Remember this principle. The day you stop changing is the day you stop growing. Always change for the better. My challenge is this. Let us all grow in our knowledge of who God is. Why is the knowledge of God so important? Can you just imagine? Example, you are facing problems, but your knowledge of God is something like this. God is too busy. He doesn't have time for you or for me. What's your tendency? If you think God is indifferent or he's too busy, you will want to be in control. And when you want to be in control, I guarantee you, you will face disappointment. Or your theology is this. God cares, but God is not all-powerful. Satan is always thwarting God's plan. Evil people are stronger than God. God is not able to override the evil of man. If that's your theology, what's going to happen? You cannot be rested. Why? Because your God is small. However, if you have the right theology based on God's revelation of who he is in accordance with the Bible, that he's not only loving, he's not only faithful, he's good, he's all-powerful, God is sovereign. Then, when you encounter disappointments, when you encounter adversities, you can learn to do your part and leave the rest to God. You can be rested. You can learn to be joyful in the midst of problems in the midst of persecutions. Why? Because your faith is in the amazing, omnipotence, omniscience, and all-loving God. I pray this new year, you will begin anew, a new perspective, a new attitude in facing adversities and problems. And I'll guarantee you, you'll become more joyful, you'll become more thankful. Today, we will look at God Almighty, El Shaddai. God is all-sufficient. Where do we encounter this amazing name of God, God Almighty? The first occurrence is found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Let's read this together. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. 
Do you notice something? The Bible tells us when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, It's never too late to grow. The knowledge of God is progressive. God reveals now to Abram. God is saying, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. What does that mean, El Shaddai, God Almighty? The root word for Shaddai is from the word Sadad, meaning powerful, to be strong. Traditionally, it is connected with the Hebrew word Sadad, meaning to deal mightily, sometimes violently. What is the emphasis? That God is almighty, that he is not under the laws of nature. God created the laws of nature. Therefore, he can override the laws of nature. God can part the water. You see the Red Sea. The Israelites were able to walk through the Red Sea. God can make the dead come back to life. Why? God is almighty. He can do something that people call it a miracle. A miracle is an incident that cannot be explained by natural laws. It is supernatural. And the word El Shaddai also means God is able to nourish. It's from the Hebrew word breast, like a mother feeding babies. So the idea is God is able to supply, God is able to nourish. He's able to pour out his provisions. Therefore, many scholars would like to explain that the word El Shaddai, El, singular God, we learned this a few weeks ago, Almighty Shaddai, God is all sufficient. That's the focus I want to give on this name. God is adequate, all sufficient, is able to satisfy our needs for us to experience contentment. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. I want you to notice something. The Bible could have stopped by saying, now to him who is able. You could have stopped. God is able. But the writer of scriptures did not stop saying God is able. Now to, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. The writer could have stopped. God is able to do far more abundantly, period. But no, for emphasis, notice. God is able to do far more abundantly beyond. He could have stopped there. God is able to do far more beyond. But he continued. All that we ask. He could have stopped there. All that we ask. But no. All that we ask or think. According to the power that works within us. Such is our God. He's able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think. Can you imagine such a God? Unimaginable. Why? Because God is El Shaddai. 
And how do you experience his power? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. The word weakness is from the Greek word asthemeo. I'll explain that in a short while. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses as the nail, so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Paul is saying God's grace is sufficient, more than enough. However, to experience his sufficiency, he's saying my for power is perfected in weakness. The word perfected is from the Greek word to complete, to experience. Weakness, the word weakness, asteneo. Many times it is used in the Greek language to refer to physical weakness, physical sickness. The point is simply this. I will rather boast about my weaknesses, whatever infirmity, whatever problems. The point is this, that the power of Christ is fully expressed in us when we learn that in our weakness, we learn to depend upon Him. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, as the nail, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. So the secret of experiencing the sufficiency of God is to come before him with an attitude of humility, of saying, Lord, I need you. By myself, I cannot do this. Let me share with you the importance of that word, El Shaddai. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. So here is the basic mental outline that i like you to learn. God Almighty, El Shaddai, is all-sufficient. You see this in the life of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I will highlight, example, in the life of Abraham, God is all-sufficient to fulfill his plan for our lives. In the life of Isaac, God is all-sufficient to prosper us. In the life of Jacob, God is all-sufficient to transform us. So the idea of God is all-sufficient is highlighted in the different aspects of the lives of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I pray that as you learn about God Almighty, you will apply the reality of the sufficiency of God in your life. Let's begin with Abraham. Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. What does it mean, walk before me? Do you notice, before God gave Abraham a command, God first introduced himself, I am God Almighty, all-powerful and all-sufficient. I will give you a command, but I will be there to help you fulfill my plan for your life. So the idea of walk, it's a command from the Hebrew word halak, from the Greek word eurasteo, 
What does it mean? It means to live a life that is pleasing to God. The idea of walk is a lifestyle. It's a behavior that is pleasing to God. Many of us are thinking, how do I live a life pleasing to God? Can I tell you something? It is by studying God's word, by studying the Bible, you will learn what makes him happy, what makes him unhappy. For example, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brothers, addressing to Christians, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, same word, eurasteo, to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What does it mean to walk before God? Acceptable, eurasteo. It's a lifestyle of pleasing God. It's your behavior. Many times, people think of worship as entering a building. They think of worship as a Sunday affair. No, no. The Bible is telling us worship is how you live to please God. So worship is every day. Being a good husband, being a good wife at work, you do things to please God. The Bible says that is an act of worship. That's walking before God. God Almighty El Shaddai is able to equip you, to empower you to fulfill his plan for your life and my life. For Abraham, it is to walk before God, pleasing, blameless. Why is this important? You see, the Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. We need to understand the Christian life is supernatural. Therefore, we need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us. And that is why in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Notice, God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. In other words, God says, I will empower you, I will enable you, I am El Shaddai, so that you will be able to live a life that's pleasing to me, notice what God is saying. How do you experience this? Through the true knowledge of Him, a true knowledge of who God is, El Shaddai. God is almighty. He is on your side. He wants to help us. Who called us by His own glory and excellence. You will notice the context of El Shaddai, God Almighty. God is able to fulfill his purpose and plan for your life. Why? Look at what it says. I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham. I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. This is physically impossible for Abraham and Sarah. Why? Because Abraham... Married a wife who is barren. And for 25 years, they've been waiting for a child. Sarah cannot conceive. Sarah is now past menopause. And yet God is saying, I will multiply you exceedingly. Wow. 
No longer will your name be Abraham. You will be called Abraham. I made you the father of a multitude of nations. These are all physically impossible. And yet, El Shaddai, God Almighty, is able to fulfill his plan for your life and my life. Look at what happened. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Let, let me remind you, a covenant is God's promise. It's what God commits to do. But notice, many times God's covenant is also conditional. God is saying, I'm going to do this, but this is your part. Every male among you shall be circumcised. It shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generation. Circumcision in the time of Abraham is their acceptance of their God, El Shaddai, and their willingness to comply with the condition. Meaning, I am now a part of this covenant. I submit, I accept this covenant. The act of circumcision, as far as the Bible is concerned, eventually has to do with the heart. That's why God tells his people, you need to circumcise your heart. In other words, our agreement with God can become legalistic. No relationship. You go through the motion. But the truth is this. God is saying, will you accept me as your God? But why the eighth day? You know, the eighth day is amazing. Scientists and doctors have discovered when a child reaches eight days old, it has the highest vitamin K in the body. And that is responsible for blood coagulation. The clotting factor of the blood is at its highest, eight days old. Do you think Abraham knew anything about vitamin K? You see, God is amazing. God is telling his people, as a sign of the covenant, you circumcise your male child on the eighth day. That is our part. That is their part. Physically speaking, what God is promising Abraham was an impossibility. You know why? Abraham said in Genesis 17, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? In fact, Abraham suggested a solution for God. Abraham said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. You see, Abraham is saying, let Ishmael be the answer to your promise. You see, Abraham wanted shortcut. But God is saying, no shortcut. No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. Wow! God is saying, no shortcut. I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. Trust me. I'm all sufficient. When I give you a promise, it shall be done. What can we learn about Abraham? Do not limit God with your own concept of physical limitations, of what God can do, what God cannot do, because God is almighty. With God, nothing is impossible. It is God's plan, God's desire, that we be like Abraham, that our faith will continuously grow. But that faith can only grow 
when the object of your faith, who God is, becomes real, the more you know God, the more your faith will grow. There is no way to grow your faith if you are ignorant of God's character and above all, God's promises. I'd like you to hear the story of our former pastor, Jonathan Phoenix, and his wife, Coco, especially their journey with their child. When I was 31 weeks pregnant, a routine ultrasound detected a heart defect in our then unborn son. Normally in the Philippines, this fetal defect wouldn't be discovered until after the baby is born, which would be too late to consider treatment elsewhere because the baby would only have one to two weeks to live. We found out that no baby has successfully survived treatment of this condition in the Philippines. So we prayed and asked people to pray, did our research, and sent his medical records to numerous children's hospitals around the globe specializing in treating Hunter's particular heart defect. In less than three weeks, after first discovering Hunter's condition, we found ourselves in a pediatric heart facility 9,000 miles away from home, where we had no family, no friends, or church, yet we had the Lord going before us as he brought us to the best place for Hunter's treatment. The original plan was for Hunter to have two surgeries in a span of six months. And we'll be back home in time for Christmas 2018. But the night I gave birth, Hunter's doctor sat at the foot of my bed to tell us that Hunter was inoperable. And the only thing that could possibly save his life was a heart transplant. But God was sufficient, and he was way ahead of us. Little did we know that the hospital we were in also had a world-class heart transplant team, including one of the pioneers of pediatric heart transplant technology way back in the 80s. Hunter's heart was too broken that he needed to be put on an artificial heart while waiting for a donor heart. During the wait, Hunter contracted sepsis. He was only four and a half months old. His entire body and all his organs shut down, except for his brain and his artificial heart. All his doctors did their best, but they were honest with us and said they were not sure if Hunter would last the night. Though our boy was swollen, bleeding from everywhere, and struggling to stay alive, Coco and I somehow had peace in our hearts. We knew it was not our strength, our wills, or our wishes, but the gracious Lord's work in our hearts. In just 19 days, Hunter recovered and was again waiting for a heart transplant. One night in September, Jonathan and I were driving home from dinner and we talked about our family and why Hunter is still with us after everything we've been through. We didn't know if Hunter could live long enough to receive a new heart. And while we desired that our son would make it, what we desired more was for God's will be done and for God's glory to be made manifest. Hunter's other organs are actually healthy. We've heard about other babies needing lung, liver, kidney, or eye transplant. And we wondered if God brought us here, preserved Hunter so that he could use our son to save another baby's life. It was a difficult thought to consider, but we were once again reminded that Hunter belongs to the Lord. And God's will is always perfect. 
So that night, we made a commitment that if Hunter does not make it, then we would have him be an organ donor to other babies. Early the following morning, we received a phone call informing us that there was a donor heart found for Hunter. And in 24 hours, Hunter came out of successful heart transplant surgery. Just when we thought we had to let go of our boy, the gracious Lord gave him back to us. This time with a new heart. And the septic shock that almost killed him seven weeks earlier, his body got so swollen that his chest cavity expanded. We were told that if this did not occur, then his rib cage wouldn't be able to receive his new heart because it wouldn't be big enough because the heart came from a bigger baby. But what almost killed him actually prepared him for his new heart. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Hunter just turned 33 months old this December 2020. He is doing well and his evaluations just came out and indicated that he is actually already physically at par with children his age and is actually already mentally and emotionally advanced. He knows how to count in five languages. He has memorized his alphabet. He can speak in full sentences and has hundreds of words in his vocabulary. He can sing songs and does 36-piece puzzles on his own. Best of all, he prays to Jesus and thanks him for everything, including his new heart. Hunter is at risk for heart rejection for the rest of his life. So we don't know what tomorrow will bring. But God's been to tomorrow, so it should be okay no matter what. With no heart transplant doctors or facilities in the Philippines, we could no longer go back home. But the Lord has been sustaining us. There are many things in our future that are uncertain, including how long Hunter's transplanted heart would last. But God is more than sufficient. His power has made the practically impossible to become possible in our lives. His purpose is good and perfect, even beyond our full understanding. Pray for us as we continue to follow Jesus and partner with Him so that He will be glorified in and through our family. May God bless us all. To God be the glory. Praise God for the wonderful testimony of Jonathan and Coco when they learned to surrender the future of Hunter completely to the Lord, like Abraham. When you place your faith in God, you begin to see God's sufficiency. God's sufficiency is oftentimes given, not before, never too early, never too late. The second occurrence of the title of God, God Almighty, appears in Genesis 28. It is when Isaac called Jacob. Isaac was going to introduce Jacob to God Almighty. And Isaac told Jacob, May God Almighty El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. In short, Isaac has experienced God Almighty in his own life. God Almighty, El Shaddai, wanted to make sure that the faith of Isaac is personal. 
What do I mean? If you look at Genesis chapter 25, Isaac married somebody who was also barren. The Bible says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered him. His wife, Rebekah, conceived. Do you notice the mother of Isaac was barren also? And what else do you notice? Abraham encountered famine. And what did God do with Isaac? Isaac went through famine. Notice Genesis 26. There was famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. What is God trying to teach us? The faith of all of us must become real and personal. You see, I cannot pass on as an inheritance my faith. I can only teach my children. But sooner or later, my own children have to have a real personal encounter with the living God. What about you? Is your faith real? Or is it possible what you have is religion? Secondhand faith. The problem with secondhand faith is when trials come, when adversity comes, you won't be able to stand firm. You know why? Because God is not very real in your life. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Why? Because Abraham went down to Egypt. Remember? He got into all kinds of trouble. God tells Isaac, Don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Live for a time in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you, to your descendants, I will give all of these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your fathers, Abraham. What do you notice? God is now telling Isaac, Isaac, stay in the land. But Isaac will say, there's a problem. There's famine. God wanted Isaac to learn that he is not limited by famine. God's blessing is God, not the land. And that's why I praise God. Isaac did his part. He stayed in the land. To experience the sufficiency of God, Isaac had to trust God, stay in the land, and do his part. What was his part? Sowed in that land. Do you know how risky it is? Seeds are precious. Seeds are food. If you sow in the time of drought, no rain, no water, what happens to the seed? It can be blown away and you will go hungry. But not Isaac. He trusted God. He took a step of faith. You see, faith is obedience. He sowed in the land. And guess what happened? After sowing, the Bible tells, tells us, and the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, continued to grow richer, and became very, very wealthy. In Tagalog, nagyaman, naging mas mayaman, at mayaman na mayaman. He became rich, richer, and very wealthy. A hundredfold. You see, God is sufficient to prosper us. Where are you putting your faith? As you face the new year, let me ask you, where is the security of your financial success, your family success, and your well-being? I pray you learn to focus 
on God Almighty. Learn to appropriate His promises. Learn to follow His commandments because that is the key. No shortcut. Guess what happened when you're successful? People become jealous. And that's what happened to Isaac. The Bible tells us the Philistines envied him. Wow, they got jealous. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with dirt. Guess what happened? Because of jealousy, they put dirt on the wells that Abraham dug. And then what did they tell Isaac? Go away from us. You are too successful. You are too powerful. Well, you know what happened? Because the faith of Isaac is in God. He did not fight. You see, when your faith is in who God is, and there will be problems, and there will be pressure, you don't react in anger. You know what he did? He went to another place and he dug a well. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water. The herdsman of Gerar quarreled with the herdsman of Isaac. The water is ours. So he named the well Ezek because they contended with him. Can you imagine how hard it is to dig for a well? They have no machineries. And then when you find water, people come and people say, ah, that's ours, even though you did the work. How did Isaac respond? He responded in faith. He did not fight. What did he do? Well, the Bible tells us he dug another well. And they quarreled with him too. And he called it Sitna, meaning they quarreled. And the Bible tells us what did he do? He did not fight. He moved. And when then he moved, he moved away from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. He named it Rehoboth. At last the Lord has made room for us. This is the amazing fruit of faith in El Shaddai, in God Almighty. God is all sufficient. You don't have to fight. You believe that God is able to prosper you His way, His time. And the Bible tells us, his testimony was so amazing that the unbelievers came back to him. They said in Genesis 26, we see plainly that God has been with you, that the Lord is with you. Why? They saw the difference. They saw God's hand upon the life of Isaac and his business. Notice, they decided to have a treaty. They went to him. Let there now be an oath between us. Let's make a covenant. What is that covenant? That you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good. See, that's a lie. It's not true. They did him bad. They took advantage of his will. But that's okay. You see, when your faith is in God, you are not petty. You look at the big picture. The big picture is they want peace. And of course, Isaac said, no problem. Notice what it says. You are now the blessed of the Lord. 
You see, they saw God's blessing. What can we learn from Isaac? You'll notice something about Isaac. Isaac was able to be rested. Isaac was not agitated because Isaac also grew in his knowledge of God Almighty, that God is all sufficient to protect him and to prosper him. When you respond to problems, will people see God in your life? You see, when things are going well, unbelievers, believers, we act the same, happy. But when things are not going well, when you are disappointed in life, how do you respond? Isaac responded in faith. Why? Because for him, blessing comes from God Almighty. If your faith is in God, you will not react in anger. You will not always be fighting. You will learn to rest upon God and to wait upon God. Many years ago, God allowed us, my wife and I, to experience the meaning of El Shaddai. God is sufficient. You see, we were choosing a date when we will get married. And with the grace of God, God gave us a very specific date in August. So we gave notice to the organization where my wife is part of, which is Campus Crusade for Christ. My wife had an agreement that she would not leave this musical group called The Crossroads unless there was a replacement. I booked a place, I booked the food, I printed the invitations, but I could not send it out. Why? Because we wanted to honor the agreement of my wife. You see, God has impressed upon my heart no shortcut. Honor those in authority. One month to go, no replacement yet. You know why? It's hard to find a replacement. Must be able to play a musical instrument. Must have a calling to come to Asia. And must have the financial resources. You know what I did? I went to Baguio for fasting and praying to ask God, Lord, what is really your plan? After prayer and fasting, the Lord confirmed the date is the same and God is telling me, learn to wait. God is almighty. God is all sufficient. He will fulfill his purpose for her life and my life. Would you believe it? On my way down from Baguio, I hit the crossroad of Edsa and Quezon Boulevard. Guess who I saw? I saw the head of Campus Crusade for Christ, the Asian director. And I rolled out my window. Remember our window, you have to roll out this way, not press the button. I said, Bailey, what's the news? And he smiled. He said, Peter, just today, I got the news. We found a replacement for Diana. So you may proceed with your plan. I immediately called my wife. I was in tears with joy. And then my wife will tell you her own perspective. So while Peter was praying and fasting in the Philippines, I was actually in Singapore giving concerts and also praying. But I kept praying and I kept praying and it didn't seem like God was going to answer. And I had almost lost the faith to believe that we would be married on the date that God had given to us. But when Peter 
called me. It was actually the second week of July. He told me that there was a replacement. I burst into tears of joy, but tears of sadness also because I had almost lost my faith to believe. But I flew back. My parents came. My dad came to Marius. But the miracle of this whole story is that God's will, done God's way, will always have God's provision because he said my will would be accomplished. I found out from the girl who replaced me, well, actually, she had a better voice than I did. Um, not only that, a year before that, she had had a burden to come to Asia to share the gospel. And she had already gotten all of her support ready. When they asked her if she wanted to come, she also cried and said, yes, I've been waiting for an opportunity. All she had to do was buy a ticket. So God will always fulfill his plans and purpose. And we got married uh, on the day that God had told us we would get married. God bless all of you who are listening to know he will do what he says because he is El Shaddai. The third occurrence of El Shaddai, God Almighty, God is all sufficient, is when God dealt with Jacob directly. Notice what it says. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel shall be your name. So he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Do you notice something? The context of God appearing to Jacob as God Almighty is in the context of changing his name. God said, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Why is this so important? Because the word Jacob, the name Jacob means what? A schemer, a grabber, somebody who takes advantage of others. And God says, you will no longer be called a schemer, a grabber. You will now be called Israel. A complete change of name. Why? Because God is able to transform the selfish, deceiving character of Jacob. Jacob had to go to a foreign place for 20 years. Slowly but surely, God dealt with Jacob. What do I mean? Many times you and I become impatient. We want God to change somebody immediately. In the case of Jacob, there was no shortcut. It took God 20 years. Why? How do you teach somebody to stop cheating others? How do you teach somebody to stop scheming, to stop lying? Give him a taste of his own medicine. Many times, God allows people to come into our lives, and they may not be the nicest people. Many times, God will use difficult people. In the case of Jacob, God gave him an uncle called Laban. Laban has a master's degree in scheming, while Jacob only has a college degree in scheming. Laban was so good in lying and cheating. He cheated Jacob 10 times. Perhaps some of you are living with somebody like Jacob, or you are living with somebody like Laban. These are difficult people. Let me tell you. God is using these difficult people 
to also transform your life. And that is why when you come to know God, you learn to be thankful in every situation. Why? Because God is at work. God is all sufficient. You see, to transform the character of somebody, many times take time. But this is the truth. The Bible tells us, I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that God, who begins to work in us, will not tire, will not give up. I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you. God has begun a good work in the life of, in the life of Jacob. God has begun a good work in your life. And the Bible tells us he will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God will complete it. The word perfect means what? Teleo. Complete it. In the case of Jacob, this is the most amazing thing. God was continuously at work in the life of Jacob. What do you notice about Jacob? How God changed his name. Many times you and I give up on people because we find them very difficult to live with. Jacob is an example of how God is all-sufficient in the transformation of our loved ones, in the transformation of lives. Do you realize that if God can change Jacob, God can also change you, God can change me? I find comfort in knowing that the God of Jacob, God Almighty, El Shaddai, is all-sufficient. Learn to be patient with others. Keep trusting God to do the work because it is not you, it is not me that can change people. It is God. The Bible tells us, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. There was a wrestling match. God took the initiative to wrestle with Jacob. The truth is this. Many of us are wrestling with God. We're always struggling with God. But you know what? God is persistent. And the Bible tells us, when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. What do you notice about the prayer of Jacob? You know, when you encounter the living God, Jacob discovered something. Notice how he prayed. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Notice. Learn from Jacob. Don't give up. And cling on to the reality that God is El Shaddai. God is sufficient. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because in the past, for Jacob, blessing was based on his scheming, his lying, his manipulation. Jacob reached a point of total surrender. And then he discovered at the end of the day, it is really God that can truly bless us. But notice how God replied. You see, when Jacob asked to be blessed, God said, what is your name? And he said, 
Jacob. Why is that important? Because God wanted Jacob to know your problem is you are full of yourself. You are a schemer. And God is saying, I'm going to change you. God is very emphatic. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. How was Jacob transformed completely? The Bible tells us when the socket of his thigh muscle was dislocated, the strongest muscle is a thigh muscle. When that was dislocated, I will assure you, it is painful. However, what was God trying to do? God was trying to tell Jacob, you have always been running away from people. You cheat and you run, always manipulating, and now you can no longer run. Why? The Bible tells us Jacob was limping. God made sure that Jacob would experience a physical disability. It's called limping. For the rest of his life, Jacob was limping. Why? So that Jacob will realize ultimate blessing, ultimate security comes from God Almighty. The truth is this. Many of us do not like to go through life limping. We don't like to go through life with weaknesses. But can I tell you something? God is amazing. God is almighty. He will do everything that is necessary to transform our character, to mold us into his image. For example, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Because Paul had an amazing revelation from God, and God impressed upon his mind to keep you from boasting, to keep you from becoming proud. And many times, God allows problems in your life, in my life, to keep us from boasting. And he allows, notice, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You and I don't like thorns. Perhaps there are thorns in your life today. It can be family members. It can be somebody you really love, but that person is becoming a thorn. Or it's your work environment. Whatever it is, what do you do with thorns in your life? It's okay to pray that God takes it away. To keep me from exalting myself, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times. He pleaded. It's okay to ask God to take it away. According to this verse, a messenger of Satan. God could have easily stopped the messenger of Satan. But you see, God is omniscient. God knows. And when God knows that it is for our good, He allows it. That's why when Paul prayed, he prayed. It's okay to pray. You should ask God to remove thorns in your life. 
However, in the case of Paul, God replied to him. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. Do you notice? God did not answer the prayer of Paul by removing the thorns. God allowed the thorns to remain. However, God gave Paul grace, supernatural strength. My grace is sufficient. You see, God Almighty is sufficient. And then he added, power is perfected. Power is experienced, is completed in weaknesses. Asteneo. Here's the divine principle. When we recognize our weakness, when we come before God, surrendering our weaknesses, that is the time when God says, you'll experience my power. So it is with Jacob. When Jacob surrendered to God, he experienced God's sufficiency. He experienced God's power. Do you realize Jacob became a stronger man because of his limping? Do you realize Paul became stronger because of his weakness? What about you? You see, God sees the big picture. God is all sufficient. Our life is not defined by our physical comfort in this world. You got to see the big picture. What is the big picture of God? God's ultimate purpose. God is all sufficient to fulfill his purpose in your life, in my life. And God is all sufficient to protect you and prosper you, just like Isaac. And above all, God is all sufficient to transform your character and my character. Because if God can change a liar like Jacob, if God can change a schemer like Jacob, God can change you, he can change me. Don't give up on people easily because God does not give up on us. Remember, until you surrender all, like Jacob, you will not experience his sufficiency. Just like Isaac, until you trust him by faith, you will not experience the fullness of God's blessing. Just like Abraham, until Abraham surrendered his physical limitation, his old age to God, you will not experience the reality of God's fullness, God's promises. If you are not just sure that you have a real relationship with Jesus and you have not been experiencing his sufficiency, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I need you. I know about you, but I don't really know you. I have religion, but I don't have you in my heart. Today, I'm surrendering my all. I repent of my self-sufficiency. I repent of my sins. And I invite you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Will you take over my life? Take control of my life. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of eternal life. Give me a new heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And to those of you who have been following God, following Jesus for many years, but this year you are discouraged. You feel like giving up. 
You have been wrestling with God. There is something in your heart. Perhaps you have taken back the control of your life. May I suggest, like Jacob, you need to surrender. You need to say, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for the many listeners who have been wrestling with you, struggling with you. I pray that today they will learn to surrender. They will learn to realize that you are more than sufficient. That they will find their peace, joy, and contentment and satisfaction in you. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If this has been a blessing to you, kindly click, click on that space provided below. We would love to chat with you. If this is your first time to invite Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, chat with us. Let us know also. And if you have a question, we'll be happy to discuss with you. We have many volunteers, and they would love to chat with you. Blessed, happy New Year. Face the New Year with courage and confidence. God bless you.